Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Let's go to the Word of God. How are you doing? Are you good? Ephesians chapter 4. We are, uh, we've been in a series called D- Discipleship Defined. We've been on a year two of a three-year journey of following Jesus, trying to work out what does it actually mean? When Jesus said, come follow me, is it possible? Can we do it today? And if it is, does that contradict with any cultural definitions of Christianity? We've been talking about all of that. If you are here for the first or second or third or fifth time, or you're new to faith, um, I I just want to warn you, we are going to jump in the deep end of the pool today. So sometimes you've got to do that. you just got to run and jump in. Uh, but don't forget, there is an entry level uh, of the pool. And so if you're here with a friend or a family member or just on your own and you're trying to suss it all out, um, you, can, uh, you can ask questions. We want to encourage you with that. But Ephesians chapter 4 um, and, chap- and verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Some of us need to bear with some people more than others. Um, If you're sitting next to that person today because you had a fight on the way to church, don't look at them. Don't turn to them. (laughs) We used to fight on the way to church, Rebecca and I, for years, but something big changed. We bought two vehicles. (laughs) Anyway, we'd be good now, wouldn't we? We'd be good, yeah. Verse three. Make every effort to keep the unity and the spirit bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. We're we're the body of Christ. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. That's your calling. One Lord, Jesus Christ. One faith. It doesn't um, evolve and change. It is clearly portrayed that faith in Christ opens the way for us to Him. One baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us today, Annisbrook, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when He ascended on high, He led captivities, captives in His train and He gave gifts to men. Okay. Jesus has given gifts to mankind. What does it mean when He ascended except that He also descended to the lower earthly regions? So speaking about what Christ did, He went into the deep parts of the earth when He was crucified and died. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to equip God's people, equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that the purpose of that, the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It goes on to say, then we'll no longer be infants, tossed backwards and forwards. So there's an immature version of faith for some, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth in love, we will in all things, grow up and mature in Him, Christ, who is the head that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, that's the people of God, 
is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It's growing and it builds itself up, not just in 2023, but right from the point this was written, shortly after Christ died and rose again and the Spirit was given. It's a built up body, built up in love as each part, that's you and me, does its work. Really interesting part is in verse 12 that all of this and these gifts and these people with these other gifts are given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're going to take a few moments today to talk about doing what Jesus did. Doing what Jesus did. You and I, if we've been called to follow Christ, part of our discipleship is to do what Jesus did. I have three brothers. That was one of them, actually, Simon. What a great guy. What a handsome guy, obviously, in his jeans. Good lookingness. And of my three brothers, he's a civil engineer, um, has a degree in bitumen. So it's, it's an inside joke between me and Rebecca and Simon. And um, I've got another two brothers. And my, I've got a brother who is, his name's Phil. He's just two years and two days younger than me. And we grew up very close. How old are you, Si? Anyway, it doesn't, what? You're almost 38. So there's a few years actually. So me and then Phil, two years. And then is there three years, four years between you and Phil? Is that right? Gosh. And then there's nine years between me and Richard, our youngest. Um, and growing up, you know, you, you grow up and you see the different um, gifts and abilities on people. And I'm sure you could relate. Um, you could see it very, very quickly. We had grandparents who lived just around the block from us. And my granddad was a boat builder in his spare time. So he worked for the Ministry of Works and then he also built boats on his front lawn and yard. And I, um, it, quite, an, quite an interesting, you know, scenario. But we'd go around to his garage. He, he retired when he was 53 or 54, which was like just getting started. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away at 61 or 62. But those years, I remember going around with my brother Phil to Bob and Beth's. We, didn't, we never called them grandma and grandpa. And weirdly, our grandparents up the North Island, my mum's parents, Dotha and Popper. So it was never grandma and granddad. It was always Bob and Beth, Beth and Bob, or Dotha and Popper. And I don't know. I don't know if you grew up like that. So we go around to Bob and Beth's. And Bob was um, always, always in his retired years downstairs in the garage building. He had bandsaw, skills saw, he had... Um, he had a, what do you call that thing, Jared? Planer, lathe. He had a lathe. He had just everything. He was, you know, he built boats. So that was the scenario. So Phil would go down, we'd start actually both down the garage, but Bob would take Phil under his wing and sort of maybe, well, Phil always had a knack for um, physical manual things. Like he would build guns and he'd build little boats and he'd build like tables. And like the kid was really talented. Even down the sounds, we would be down the sounds and on a rainy day where you couldn't go fishing, um, Phil would be cutting stairs into the hillside. Like, and they were all like precise. And so when I'd go to, we'd go to Bob and Beth's, he'd be building stuff in the garage with Bob. And then after about three minutes, my ADHD kicked in and I'd go up and Beth would go, G'day Graham. And I'd go into her sewing room and I'd sew with her. <laughs> I, oh, Lord. Well, it's sort of come in handy because I've got a daughter who designs and makes clothes. And whenever she gets stuck with 3D in a machine, she doesn't call Uncle Phil. She calls Uncle Dad. So it's so good. But you can see it real young. 
Phil, Phil and I, neither of us um, finished high school and um, at all. <laughs> and um, so he, he went off and the, he actually went off and he got a building apprenticeship, made a lot of sense. I went off and worked at uh, Woolly Weavers. No, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Woolly Weavers, where did that come from? Anyone over 80 knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, <laughs> craft habitat. I was, yeah. So, so Phil, was, Phil started building an apprenticeship. Now, interesting thing, we've been talking about this whole thing of apprenticing. The Bible word for disciple is not student like a classroom. It's student like an apprentice. That Jesus, when he said, come follow me, it's actually a life thing. It's not just a Sunday service thing. The purpose of this is that we come together and we get gathered, gather together, be encouraged and filled again with God's Spirit, worship Him. You know, we're ministering to Him, but we're also being equipped. Um, so what are, what are the three things? Don't look at your phones. What is a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus? What are the three things we've defined it as? Can anyone have a go? People who? No. Be with Jesus. Good, good, good. Be like Jesus, Jared, well done. You get to stay being a pastor, well done. So be with Jesus, be like Jesus and do what Jesus did. Think about that, do what Jesus did. So Phil, um, the first part of his apprenticeship, he did actually really enjoy being with the boss, the master builder who invited him onto the apprenticeship. And I I know it's a bit um, elementary, but that's what it's like. We love Jesus we get around Jesus, we, we get to know Him and we just want to be around Him. His presence is important, Him being near us, us being near Him, which is amazing. This is a living faith. This is a real thing. This is not make-believe. The second thing is that Phil went on a three or four-year journey of now being like. He went on a, a journey of change. Many Bible scholars would call it sanctification. It's a big word. But it actually means that we, as I explained two Sundays ago, we're receiving this gift of grace and now we're changing from the inside out. And none of you are gonna be able to change from the outside in. None of you can change by following the commandments of God. You're only ever changed by giving you what? Ezekiel 37, a new heart and a new spirit. Receiving the gift of grace and then that's how you begin to change. So it's no use subscribing to a Christianity where you just try to swear less. Although that may be helpful for you. A little less road rage would be good for you and your family. Um, but from the inside out. But I think that a lot of us, we, we sort of stop there. We stop going on this process of growing and changing. My brother, I just texted him this morning. I said, how many houses have you built now? It's 430. Because he went on from just being an apprentice to learning how to build. He did his first speckies, built some houses for a few builders, but then he went out on his own. And then he took his apprenticeship from not just being someone who builds houses um, to now having builders build for him who build houses. In fact, throughout Christchurch and Auckland, even here in Nelson, they've built four, it's actually 470, sorry, 470 houses. Why? Because he went on a journey that logically finished with being able to do something like the person who got him on the apprenticeship was able to do. Somewhere in modern Christianity, we've left this piece out and we've become content coming once every month to watch someone do it like Jesus did and think good on him, good on her. 
obviously know their Bible. That's awesome. That's great. Where did we get that? Where did that come into the story? It's not that new. You know, even in the 80s, the vineyard movement, they stopped now to count how many churches were being planted. John Wimber, who started it, was a musician in California. He was actually writing songs with the Beach Boys when someone shared the gospel with him and he realised that the void in his life was actually a void that needed God to fill it. Well, he actually gave his life to Christ. He left writing groups with the Beach Boys and he went out and started a church called The Vineyard with another guy. In that moment, he read the Bible and he read Ephesians 4 that said that God gave some to have the gifts of apostleship, to be prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists, to prepare and equip the people of God, God's people, to minister. And you know, he read it and he took it seriously. And you know what he figured? He figured that everybody on God's team, everyone on Team Jesus gets to play. Everybody, everybody. So that was only the 1970s and 80s. That's not even longer than my lifetime ago. And yet we've reached this place where apprenticeship, actually going on a proper journey of change and actually then doing what Jesus did and called us to do, it's a logical process. It's a logical part of the journey. Paul is pointing to a totally different picture to our modern faith. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. You didn't just get saved so you go to heaven one day. You got called. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you got called. Called to what? Out of darkness and into light. You were once dead in your sins. Every person, this is the gospel message and why we need to hear it. Every person that has been born is born into, if you like, a disease called sin. And they are essentially dead to sin. How does the Bible define spiritual death? Simply not knowing God. That's death. And so Christ came and He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. In other words, have right standing with God and we would be reconciled to God. How did He do it? He called you. You received a calling. Many people think they've received a hobby, an interest, Like the census says, a religious view. What's your religion? You didn't receive a religion. You received the spirit of life. Don't you remember? Do you think it's any coincidence that David said, renew to me, restore to me a a pure heart and renew the joy of the first salvation, your salvation in my life? Why in the last book of the Bible does it refer to the first thing that often happens in us? Come back to your first love. Come back, remember and restore, renew the things that you did at first because you were called out of this darkness and into this light. Can anyone praise God that He's called you? So so He's made us sons and daughters. He hasn't given us a religious um, list of things to do. He's put a life in us. That's what it's meant to be. And I think all of us would be like, well, that's enough. That's sweet, right? Like, what do we deserve more than being saved like that and called sons and daughters? Well, it goes on. Not only has He called us, but it was He who gave Jesus Christ some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. I'll just pause there. In this group of people, in our church in the city, in the church in Wellington and in Christchurch, 
And we do hope and pray that we're hearing from God, but we hope to have 15 churches throughout New Zealand in the future. So if any of you feel like you should be pastors, you need to come and see us um, because there, there, are, there is a harvest field out there. Jesus said, look, the harvest is white and ready. Don't pray for the harvest, pray to God for workers. Um, but I'll say that in this group of churches, in us, the church, in this room, there are apostles. There are prophets. There are teachers. There are evangelists. There are pastors. And what is the job? It is to equip the saints, not just do performance Christianity to get cheered on. We're meant to be going on an apprenticeship journey. We're meant to be going, hey, um, when you cut the timber, measure twice, cut once. Oh, why? Well, because we're going to have to buy a whole other length of 4 2 and it's like really expensive. You know, when you use that um, nail gun, just, you know, try not to use it as a, a weapon and shoot your friends on the building site. I would be very tempted to do that. Just pull back the guard and start pinging. It would be so fun. Hey, you know, um, make sure your tools are up to scratch, you know. These elementary things, whenever you come to church, you're meant to be getting something that's going to help you to be equipped. Why? Because you've got a flippin' ministry. That's the Greek word, flippin'. You've got it. You have got a ministry. Keegan has got a ministry. Judah has got a ministry. AJ's got a ministry. Grant has got a ministry. Reuben and Gabby have got a ministry. How do I know? The Bible says, the Bible actually says then when Christ went into heaven and then descended, He gave gifts to us. If you don't have a ministry, then why do you have gifts? What would the point be in having gifts if you don't have, what does the word ministry mean? The word ministry, its actual meaning means the administration and the execution of something. It means what? The Admin doesn't mean um, Excel spreadsheets and keeping your calendar. Some people here are more detailed than others, let's just say. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's people who keep their inbox and their emails completely clear and full. And there's other normal people. That's, that's, that's what I'd say. You know, you have, I have on my phone right now and I, it's down there, but I think I have about 50 unread text messages. I've read them. I just don't want to open them. You know, like I know they're there. Hey, no, like I'm the only person to speak. The people who are laughing are either married to people like that or they just uh, are really sick of it. So the administration is not admin, although there is an admin gift. It's actually the ability, guys, to bring and give the kingdom of God. So your Christianity is not meant to warm a pew, <laughs> to be a number. God has given you gifts. God not only has given you, I told you we're going in the deep end of the pool. God has not only given you gifts, but He's given you a sphere, a a sphere in your world, it could be feeding people. It could be serving. It could be praying. It could be bringing prophetic words, healing, bringing freedom from oppressive demonic entities. Yep, you could be called to that. You could be called to sharing and preaching the gospel. The gospel. 
declaring the gospel. You could be called to reconciling families, hospitality, raising finance as a spiritual gift listed in the Bible. So some of you have got a knack for business, but it's only ever been about you. How you'll multiply it is when you make it about the kingdom and make it an administration of the kingdom of God. When you actually live for that, the whole ceiling will come off. Do you know that encouragement is a spiritual ministry? And this is how Jesus moves. One more scripture, Ephesians chapter one, and in the message, I wanna read it to you. It says, how blessed is God and what a blessing He is. He's the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ. He takes us into the high places and He blesses us, blessing in Him. Long before He laid down the earth's foundation, He had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of His love, to be made whole and holy by His love. Long, long, sorry, long, long ago, He decided to adopt us into a family through Jesus Christ. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of His gift, lavish gift giving by the hand of His beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, His blood poured out on the cross, we're a free people. Free of penalties and punishments chalked up by our misdeeds. We're completely free. Not barely free. Abundantly free. He thought of everything. Watch this. Providing for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the big plan that He took such delight in making. What we're talking about today. He set it all out in us before Christ. Long range plan and everything would be brought together and summed up in Him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs for us of glorious living. Part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and everyone. Watch this. All of this energy comes from Christ. God raised Him from death and set Him in the highest throne in a deep heaven in charge of running the universe and everything and galaxies and governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. He's in charge, guys. He is in charge. And not just for the time being either, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the centre of this, Christ rules the church. Church is not a brand with a service time. Church, the Greek word is ecclesia or the ecclesia, the called out ones. Individual ones called out and gathered together. That's the church. The church, you see, it's not peripheral to the world. The world is actually peripheral to the church. We're not on the outside. We're in the inside of what God is doing. The church, What read this, the church is Christ's body in which He speaks and He acts and by which He fills everything with His presence. The church is how God is speaking. People say this, where is God speaking? Where is God moving? Where is God? Where is he, His presence at this time? And I think there's a pragmatic question to that when you begin to hear God, when God begins to move. But the actual answer in the Scripture, look around you. The church is by which Jesus Christ speaks. If He's not speaking then His people are not speaking. If He's, why doesn't Jesus come in? That's the big question, you know, with all the chaos and the hurt in the world. Why doesn't God do something? He's trying. He's put people with His heart and His spirit who have had death and hell and everything cut off them, free forever. And now He's moving through them, but they're very challenging to move at times. They don't believe they're capable. They don't believe they're well-practised enough. 
They don't believe they're skilled enough and God's just sitting there going, oh, they don't get it yet. They are united with me, meaning when they open their mouth from a right heart and right spirit, I am speaking. And when I am putting my hand to, th- when, when they're putting their hands to things, serving needs and, and practicalities and things going on, it's my hand. What did Jesus say? Whatever you do to the least of these, you've done it unto me. But it works around the other way as well. Guys, we are Christ's body. So we're meant to be administrating the Word of God, the grace of God, the, the, the hope of God. We're not meant to have a soapbox banging on about what's wrong with the world. We're called to be solution and answers. And that's gonna mean having skin in the game. You don't get many amens preaching like this because for so long, culture's taught us the very opposite. The very, very opposite. You're not just saved from something, although you are. You're saved for something. Each and every one of you who have called on the name of Jesus. Well, what's the answer? How do you get your ministry off the ground? That's what you want to be thinking today. How do I launch my ministry? Probably don't start with a website, but you could. You, you should all be thinking, how do I get my ministry going? What is my ministry? What are the gifts? And I would say to you that I think that it's important to get trained. I think that it's important to get equipped. I think it's important to start thinking like how we're talking about. But perhaps the first thing to do is to define it. Because it's not being a pastor. It's not necessarily what I'm doing right now. Not necessarily, although it may be for some of you. The majority of you will have your full-time thing. Your work, your study, your family, your retirement, whatever your full-time thing is. But your ministry has always meant to be there underneath, bubbling away as you do your full-time thing. That is what Christ is wanting and He's expecting it from you. So let's define it. And to finish, I want to define what ministry can look like. And I, and I don't want to do it by talking about what I've done. I don't think it's helpful to this moment. I want to talk about, what is it? Potentially four ministries. And first is the ministry of John Heslop. That's my dad. He found Christ in his early 20s when my grandma, his mother-in-law, shared the gospel with him. She just said, John, have you been born again? He said, what? Yes, Jesus said you could be born again. As though you begin again and begin really, really true. Have you ever been born again? No. Well, you should be then. He said, okay. She said, do you want to pray a prayer? He said, yes, I do. So there and then he got saved, born again. Boy, we overcomplicate it, don't we? Don't we? You've never asked the question maybe like that. Maybe you should. Well, Dad became a different person. And that's the only dad I knew. I saw him reading his Bible, praying, listening to Keith Green. What can be done with a cold heart like mine? Soften it, Lord, with oil and wine. The oil is you, the spirit of love. The wine is your blood, can make me anew. My whole childhood. And I watched him pray and, I, and he would pray for me. I'd have a bad dream. Dad, Dad, Dad. And he'd come in. I said, I've had a nightmare. So let's pray. He'd put his hand on my head and the peace of God would just enter my heart as a young kid. Was Jesus there in, a fle- in the flesh? No. But he was there through the ministry of my dad. Parents, never underestimate the ministry you have at home. 
and the contagious nature of your love for Jesus Christ. The second ministry I'll tell you about is the ministry of Margaret Stewart. Margaret Stewart was uh, been a part of Annisbrook for years and years, and I was six years old. The church was at Bethany Park for a church camp. All the adults had worship in the Word, like we're doing right now. But over in the little hall down the bottom, there was a group of little kids, Ben Lewis, Graham Hislop, Phil Hislop, some others as well, I'm sure. Well, Margaret, instead of being with the adult, other adults listening, enjoying the worship, listening to the Word, she gave her time to run a program for the kids. But I thank God for Margaret Stewart because she just didn't do games only. She did do games. She, we didn't just have fun only. We did have fun. Every time we gathered, she shared the Gospel. She said, did you know that God loves you and sent Jesus to save you? Everyone has sin, but Jesus saves everybody who calls on Him from sin and you can be born again. Who wants to do that? And I lifted my hand and Margaret saw my hand and she said, let's pray after. And afterwards on the front steps of Hall 1 in the blazing sun of the summer, while the adults are doing their thing, Margaret Stewart's with a six-year-old and led me to Christ through a prayer. I don't know how many people I have now led to Jesus Christ. I would say it will be in its hundreds through ministry services, one-on-one different moments. It could even be in the upper range from hundreds. But I will tell you this, who would have thought that ministry to a six-year-old could go on to have an impact? And that's how you should think. You should think that your one ministry act could make a difference. Do you know how to share the gospel? Do you now know how to give people opportunities? She was, her husband was a technical pastor. They were technically ministering to the church, but she wasn't necessarily what you'd define as, what you'd understand as a pastor. Yet there was the ministry of Margaret Stewart. Hallelujah. Was Jesus there in the flesh? No, He wasn't. But He was there ministering to me through Margaret Stewart. The third ministry that I want to talk about is the ministry of Alan Walker. Alan Walker was about eight years older than me. He lives up north now or maybe in Blenheim. I messaged him the other day. Alan Walker was a group of teens that my parents had around to their house all the time. My parents would always have these teenagers around after church and in midweek. My parents weren't pastors. But Alan was from a broken background that didn't know Jesus. He heard the Gospel. He got saved. Someone shared the message. Isn't Paul's words now a little bit more reverberating? For whom has heard this message? Who will go for me? If they don't hear the message, how will they know? How will they understand? How will they be saved? Well, Alan heard the message and got saved. Well, then while he's hanging out at church and hanging out at my house, remember I'm eight years roughly younger, he began to invest into me. He took me for drives in his Valiant. It had a V8, had a massive stereo. We'd listen to Petra. We'd listen to DC Talk. I got the biggest amen from that. What the heck? This means war. I mean, sorry. It was like the Bon Jovi version of Christianity. But you know what happened with Alan? Is whenever he saw me at church in the foyer, whenever he saw me at youth, he would always look at me. He'd always value me. And then he'd be willing to hang. There is a ministry of Alan Walker, spending time, giving your time, giving your friendship, giving your... Alan wouldn't have done it now. He'd be too busy on TikTok. Way too busy. Way too, too busy. But oh, that there would be a ministry. There's a ministry of hospitality. Where's Summer? Summer was here. She'd been raptured. But, but, but Summer, she's out with her children. 
Christian's a, he's a, well, he's a modern man, you know, his wife's out with the kids. So, but I was going to encourage Summer and Christian, but Summer particularly. I think that Summer is one of the friendliest people that you could ever meet. I think she's got a ministry to make people feel like they matter and they're valued. Was Jesus there in the flesh in the valiant? But He was using a man named Alan Walker to keep a connection rod to a young man who'd one day maybe do that for others. Yes, there is a ministry. The ministry of Alan Walker. There's also the ministry of Sella. She doesn't live in Nelson. She lives up north. She somehow got my cell phone number. She rang me five Saturdays ago. I was driving to pick up Saskia from work. And then as I got this call, I put on hands free. I had my headphones in. Safety here first. Hello, Graham here. Hi, it's Sella. Such and such as friend. And it dawned on me, she's rang me five years ago with a word. She goes, Graham, I needed to ring you because I was praying for you. I said, really? The Lord spoke to me and He said, tell Graham Hislop he's on the right track. What God wanted to tell me that I'm on the right track and that keep being filled by the Spirit. And whenever you come across empty vessels like Elijah and Elisha and the empty vessels, which one was it? We're not sure. But there was an oil that will miraculously be poured out and that's the word I had for you. I thought, flip! It's Saturday. You're not even meant to be a Christian on Saturday. What's going on? Praying on a Saturday? Oh, the Holy Spirit, the anointing began to touch me in the car, the tangible presence of God. Did you know that praying for people was a ministry? Did you know in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul said, I would have that each of you would desire the greater gifts. Not just getting in heaven when you die, but the greater gifts. And to you that you would even desire prophecy. Yes, everyone in the room has permission to be able to move in the prophetic. Doesn't necessarily mean you're a prophet, but it means you'll be able to hear a word Feel that word and speak it to someone else. Now, did Jesus say to me in person, you're doing, you're on the right track? No, He used the ministry of seller. Thank God for someone who's been used by God. There's a ministry for you to hear the words of God and to encourage somebody. I'm gonna finish, we need to finish, but I wanna talk about one more group that are really ministering to me at the moment. And it's the ministry of Asher, Thomas in Israel. These three teenage guys happen to be walking around with paper Bibles. I don't know if you've seen them. I, I used to enjoy um, relaxing at home. Now it's become a Bible college session in walks Israel. Hey Dad, um, in John chapter 14, um, what is the word there saying when it says this? I thought at the start, now this is great. This is awesome. Well, it's been going on for a little bit longer. Thomas is the same. Thomas, after I've ministered, you know, you burn carbs ministering like this. It's an effort. Afterwards, I thought just an encouraging word. He comes, here comes Thomas. Hey, um, have you got a minute, Graham? I thought, oh, looks like I've got a few minutes, Thomas. Can you tell me what this means? Asher the same. These young men are capturing a heart for the truth that while the world has been spewing lie upon lie, See, I've worked it out. Our answer, guys, is not political. 
I think politics are important. I think when we get rogue politicians and leaders in, it's, it's not good. But I've worked out now 20 years deep into ministry, a Christian party is not the answer to everything. They'll sell their values for popularity anyway. It's gone very quiet. What we need is Christians, followers of Christ, knowing who they are and living like it. Now, we need them to not naff it up and do stupid policy for sure. And voting is quite important. But remember, this Bible, this Gospel, this power, this Spirit was released when there was no democratic system anyway. There was no democracy. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Or vape it, whatever you're into. The Spirit of God is sovereign. The Spirit of God wants to move, but He's wanting to move through dads and Margaret's. Phew! And Alan Walker and Sellers. And the reason these teenage boys, it's a ministry, it's it's challenging me. It's challenging me. These young men are hungry. Are you hungry? Are you really wanting to? Some of you are bored. You're just bored. You're like, surely there's more than this. But what is your expectation around your boredom? Are you waiting for an angel to turn up in your bedroom? I can tell you, you'll not only be bored, but you'll be soiled. Yeah, no, no, no. What is wrong at the base of boredom in Christianity is you've got modern Christianity and not classic Christianity. And my Jesus ascended and descended to bring you gifts. And my Jesus put apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists around you so that you could be equipped for the work of the... And you, my friends, should be able to know the Gospel, know about justification, know about grace, and in a nutshell and in your own way, explain it. And what a beautiful thing. These are just five ministries I've described to you. But the Lord Jesus has multiplied thousands like you and me, all with ministries that express Him in a different way. Our God is big. Our God is urgent. He's wanting lost and broken sons and daughters to come home to Him. Come on. He wants to act and speak and move through. Oh, where's the presence of God? Wherever you are, in the cul-de-sac, in the hair salon, in the supermarket, in the mechanics workshop, with the same group of people you've been working with for 10 years, at the school pickup and drop off, He's exactly where you are. So it's time to launch your ministry. It is time to do as Jesus did, because if I looked at my brother and he was still like learning how to measure a piece of timber, 20 years on, something went wrong. Let me say it prophetically. Something has gone wrong in the modern church because we're looking at believers that have been fed enough and they know enough. They know more than enough. But maybe the only thing left to know is that you are currently the hands and feet of Jesus. Even if you've been a Christian for five minutes, Jesus said, you at the 11th hour, will you be paid any less than those who started at the beginning of the day? As long as you've got an open heart, as long as you've got a willingness, come on, shake your boredom. Shake the apathy. One of the, one of the quickest ways to really get in that ministry mode, start reading this Word and get it in your spirit. And then start getting around other people. In Jesus' Name, can everyone say, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, 
please get in touch with us. Email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz or visit our website.